In today's show, we're looking back at the 2020-2021 season for the Denver Nuggets. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today, we are here to review the Denver Nuggets in their 2020-2021 NBA year. Let's talk about that now. Before I do talk about it, today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Moment segment coming up later in the episode. Let's talk. Let's talk Denver Nuggets. Obviously, you know, really solid team. They started off a little bit slow. Ended up 47 and 25 going out in the uh, in the second round of the playoffs after beating Portland in round one. Seventh in offense, 12th in defense, 27th fastest pace. They got picked number 26 coming up in the draft, but of course their season was torpedoed when Jamal Murray went down with an ACL injury. So we can look at their second round exit and say it's a little bit disappointing, which for sure it is. But you know, with Murray, without Murray, they had no chance. Simple as that. You just can't replace that level of a player at that point in the season and expect to have success. We'll talk about Murray a little bit later on, but. Um, yeah, look, that that's yeah. It, it does put a dampener on what they did, and it was going to be really hard for them to have you know, significant success this season. And we obviously saw that, but still a a good year again. They have, of course, have the NBA's MVP in uh, Nikola Jokic, and uh, you know some other really interesting talents. But they're in a situation where they did make moves to go for it, making that trade for Aaron Gordon, and then suffering the injury for Jamal Murray, and that, that and he's going to miss next season too, or majority of next season too, and it does make it. A little bit perilous uh, with some of those moves and and what happens coming up in free agency in the next couple of years for Denver. In terms of free agency this year, Austin Rivers, Paul Millsap, and JaVale McGee are all unrestricted free agents. Now, they all played roles on this team, but Rivers' role was obviously expanded due to the absence of Jamal Murray. I wouldn't wouldn't be looking at Austin Rivers as like this guaranteed must must retain player, but he still played pretty well and they probably would like to bring him back. Paul Millsap play has declined, I think quite a bit over the last couple of years. If he's on a reasonable contract though, you can bring him back. But with Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter playing the four, his role is going to be pretty small. JaVale McGee came across in a trade um, he was fine, but I don't think they need to yeah, worry too much about him. Marcus Howard's a restricted free agent. Showed some scoring flashes, but he's just too small to be considered an NBA rotation guy, I think. A couple of interesting player options, Will Barton and Jermichael Green, both player options. Now, Barton's season was obviously ruined by injuries. He also did fall off a little bit, and he has fallen off the last couple of years in terms of his actual play. His player option is an interesting decision for him. Uh, it's at $14.7 million. I would imagine that he opts out and looks for more longer-term security, like three years, $50 million, I think would be something he'd be looking for. Now, would I pay that for Will Barton? If I wasn't Denver, probably not. If I am Denver, you're getting him back and hopefully a full healthy season from him or close enough to it 
helps alleviate a little bit of the Jamal Murray absence. So I, I probably would be inclined to bring him back depending on my other options, but I'm not super into it. And Jermichael Green, who's played one year here, he's got a $7.6 million player option. He's already 30, Jermichael Green. But again, they, if they may have to make a decision between him and Paul Millsap, one's five years younger, maybe you take Green and Millsap's 35, 36. So it is interesting to see what they do between Millsap and if Green opts out. I think there is a chance that Green opts out as well. I think Barton's probably more likely to, but I think yeah, Green probably does opt out and hopes to get you know a two-year, twenty million dollar deal or something along those lines because there is a little bit of a little bit of cash floating around in uh, in free agency in free agency this offseason with a lot of the big names uh, seemingly off the market. I'll tell you what uh, we do need to talk about, though, and that is it's the Michelob Ultra Ultra Moment of the Week. Now, what's Denver's Ultra Moment? I'm going to do the week. We'll do the season because it's it might be a little bit tough, but to me, it's pretty obvious because it's this bloke. It's Nikola Jokic winning his first NBA MVP, doing it pretty comfortably in the end. First team All-NBA MVP, I don't know what more Denver Nugget fans could hope for. And if you want to talk about joy and want to talk about enjoyment, because you know, enjoyment isn't the end game, it is the whole game. And is there a more joyful player to watch than Nikola Jokic? Sure, sometimes he gets a little bit annoying with these uh, complaining about fouls or committing stupid fouls, but literally his uh, his game brings me happiness. And Michael Ultra, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. With 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, joy creates success. So get yourself a Michelob Ultra when you're watching the games in the playoffs. And Nikola Jokic is the Denver Nuggets ultra moment of the season. That's a nice transition to talk about the big fella himself, Big Chungus. He played all 72 games this year, Nikola Jokic. 35 minutes, 26 points, 11 boards, 8 assists, 1.3 steals, 0.7 blocks, 57 and 87 from the field in the line. He hit 39% from deep. He was the number one ranked player in points leagues, averaging 55 fantasy points. He was ranked first in category leagues with an ADP of 7. He was just outstanding. So why didn't I have him to be the number one player at the start of the year? Well, because he took huge steps forward. And this is an, an astonishing thing. He went from under, he averaged under 20 points per game last year. He, he went from 19.9 to 26.8. I did not see that coming. I did not see him taking his usage from 26 to 30. His true shooting went from 60 to 64. I just didn't see him playing an extra three minutes per game off that shortened off season. I didn't see any of those things happening. Assists and rebounds, yeah, they're about the same. But... We saw his free throws jump by five percentage points. We saw his field goal percentage jump, but mainly because he hit seven percentage points higher on his threes, up from 31 to 39. Now, if I had to come out and projected, guys, Nikola Jokic is going to score seven extra points per game, and he's going to shoot 39 instead of 31% from three, where he'd been for the last two years. It's a irresponsible projection. I love that he did it, but there is just no... Um, look, the last two years, he averaged 20, 10, and seven. 20, 11, and 7, shooting 31% from 3. I can't come out and go, well, he's definitely going for 27, 11, and 8 on 39% threes. You can't say it with a straight face. So that's why I didn't have Nikola Jokic at number one. Because when you're looking at projections, you're looking for changes in situation. You're looking for, and this is a situation where we go, well, Michael Porter's maybe going to get more usage this year. So what the hell does that mean for Jokic? And it meant somehow he gets more usage and becomes way more efficient and everything goes absolutely through the roof, which is exactly what did happen for Nikola Jokic. But again, it's not something that we can yeah, 100% just rely upon to, to think that he's going to do it again. 
or that is going to take another step forward. He might take another step forward. We don't know that. But yeah, he was unbelievable. Obviously, one of the, the most the fun funnest, funnest most fun passes in the entire NBA. Puts up huge numbers. A great post player. Not as bad a defender as is occasionally made out to be. He's not a great defender, but he's not just like absolutely horrendous. Great pick and roll guy. Visionary offensive player. Turned into an excellent shooter as well. He was really good. And if you look at all those advanced metrics, the things that, yeah, Luck adjusted RAPM hates his defense. Raptor doesn't like his defense that much. And LeBron doesn't like his defense, but everything else, 100th percentile for LeBron, 100th percentile for offensive LeBron, 99th percentile across the board. Yeah, true shooting at 65 is 96th percentile. Look at all these A and A minus grades right across the board. He's per 75 production, 98th percentile, 91st, 99th. So yeah, 74, 64, 92nd yeah, turnovers. But look, just unbelievable stats. I don't know how much more I can say about Nikola Jokic, but he was amazing. And he's going to get picked number one in most fantasy drafts next season. I think there is scope for regression because, again, if we look at what happened for him over the last three months of the year, he was the third-ranked player. The final two months, he was the sixth-ranked player. Why did those things happen? Well, his three-point shooting started to fall away. His steal rate, which was very high, uh, well, not well, it was 1.2. That fell way off as well. Now, that's not to say that that's realistic because he's been at 1.2 each of the last three or four years, but that did fall off. So there's no he he wasn't that number one player down the stretch, as he did lose value in a couple of areas. Um, but the scoring and usage still remained high. So I think he's a fair bet to be picked up there. But just don't be. Don't be surprised if he doesn't end it next year as number one. But as a top three player, I think that's uh, that's almost a, a guarantee at this stage. Well, he's a guarantee to get picked there, and I think it's going to be a relatively safe, a relatively safe decision to uh, to look at him in that in that light. All right, let's now have a look at the headmaster, Jamal Murray. Only forty eight games for Murray. Of course, the torn ACL ended his season. He um, averaged 36 minutes a night, which is a ton. Again, that's up four extra minutes from where it was in the previous year off that short bubble run. That's a surprise. 21 points, four rebounds, five assists with 1.3 steals, shooting 48 and 87. He didn't quite live up to the numbers that he put up in the bubble, which were insane, but he did have his first ever 20-point-per-game season. He played in those extra minutes. He was more efficient. The true shooting went from 56 to 59. He took big steps forward this year. He was impressive. 51st in points leagues, 32nd in category leagues. His steal numbers, which had been poor in the past, it's a good improvement up to 1.3. But more interestingly enough, his rebound and assist numbers, exactly the same as the year before. 4 and 4.8, exactly the same. He hit more threes. He took um, more of them, but the usage um, stayed about the same. But more importantly, he just became more efficient and he was able to play more minutes. Now, the problem is, is that he got hurt on um, uh, when did when did he get hurt uh, in April? So you know when when is he returning? Like twelfth of April, he hurt his knee. For say a twelve month timeline, that rules him out for all of the regular season. I think there's a possibility. You know, some ACLs are ten months. An example here in the Australian Football League uh, of uh, Toby McLean, who, who tore his ACL. He was back in nine months, I think. So it is possible that we get him back in January or February, but that doesn't make him draftable. You can pick him up after a draft and slide him into an IR slot, but you're not going to want to draft him because when he comes back, he'll be limited as well. And it might be for six weeks. It, it might, it'll just be very, very small amounts, I would think, that we're going to get of Jamal Murray. So you know, in terms of looking at him for next year, it is hard to get 
uh, too excited because just, again, we don't expect him to play huge amounts. But he was yeah, really impressive this year. I thought defensively he did take some steps forward because he's been you know, poor in the past, but the shooting was great, finishes well. Playmaking, um, you know, look, he's he improved in almost almost every area, which again uh, you don't I don't know how much more you can ask for for players and to take big steps forward. Uh, his advanced stats were uh, much better as well this season. Look at all those A's, you know, 92nd percentile Raptor, uh, A minus there in LeBron, 85th percentile. He took his EPM from 1.5 to 3.1. The true shooting went up. He finished at the rim at 68%, which is an astonishingly huge number. Just some really big steps forward. And he's only, what, 23? He just turned 24. So it is disappointing that he's going to miss another year here and uh, you know, come back at 25, which which will be fine for the, for the, the, pre, the next season after that, 22 season. Um, but just disappointing that we're not going to get him play next year. Let's talk about Maga Porter Jr., who did, again, take some big steps forward. He was a guy that we were targeting pretty aggressively in drafts, not as aggressive as some. I know I know some people had him like, yeah, let's take him in the 30s, which, again, is just, to me, going way too high. It's going on ceiling only. But his ADP was, a, it was 74, but at the start of the draft process, it was like 120. And it came way in, and we were drafting him in that fourth, fifth round area. He ended up as the 43rd ranked player in category leagues and 65th in points leagues. His ADP was 74. He only played 31 minutes a night. I reckon that's a really important number to note, that 31 minutes. Because over the second half of the year, he went to 34 minutes a night, and he did crack into that top 35. I think that there is no way... Um, there is, there is no way that he is going in the fourth round of drafts next season. Porter averaged, averaged that's not English, he averaged 19 and 7 with three threes with 0.9 blocks and insane shooting. 45 from three, 54 from the field. Like they are insane numbers. His EPM was a 2.8, like an astonishingly big number. Now he still has issues with defense and he still has issues sometimes with Michael Malone and the usage can be frustratingly low like 21%. We would like that to get a little bit higher. But the efficiency that he provided with the scoring, he should be a 20-point per game scorer next season, Porter. I don't really think that's too much of a controversial statement. He should be that 20-point per game scorer next year. He should be able to get close to cracking the top 30. He's got to bring... Now, I've seen some people uh, over on Basketball Monster comparing him to Kevin Durant. That's not who he is at all. But he does have to start bringing some other numbers to jump up further. The steals are comically low, like comically low, 0.7. But they did rise to at least one over the last 22 games. The assists are non-existent. And Durant's a guy that can get four assists with one with a steal and then 1.2 blocks. And you hit 88% on eight attempts. And that's the other thing that sets him back. He only got to the line two times per game. Like he needs to get to the rim more. His shooting is amazing. His off-ball shooting, really good. He's finishing at the rim, 74% is absolutely elite. Just an elite scorer, an elite finisher, an elite shooter. But he needs to get to the line. He needs to be able to pass way better than he's doing, and he needs to generate steals at a higher rate. Now, Porter is not old, obviously. He has just turned 23, but that he's not as young as you think because he missed that first year. So he is 23. Um and you, you have to be impressed with with what he was able to do in his second season, second full season. And I, I expect big steps forward. I expect him to be, instead of a 19-point scorer, a 22-point scorer. 31 minutes go to 33. So 22 and 8 with over three threes is achievable. 54 and 84 from the line is achievable. One steal and one block is achievable. And that's top 25. And 
I still do worry. Like he had some issues, obviously, in the playoffs with some injuries and that back flaring up again, and that's a massive concern. But you know, we have to love for the next three years, I would say, at least top 25 numbers. I worry that he breaks down a bit earlier than some other players because of his history, but really, really impressive this year, Maga Porter Jr. Again, the advanced numbers, they loved him. 2.6 on LeBron is elite. Um, 1.4 in RPM is huge. 2.1 in Raptor is huge. The yeah, Raptor hated his defense. Other other metrics weren't that down in his uh, defense, although box score plus minus was well down too, 25th percentile. But look at all the A minuses and 90 percentile grades in his uh, points per possession areas. Elite transition, pick and roll ball handler, spot up uh, shooter, pick and roll, roll man, not quite as good. Uh, isolation elite. We've got dump offs, putbacks, handoffs, off screen stuff, all elite in his scoring. That is what he does. But if you look up here, the 15% percentile for assist rate is terrible. Steals, terrible. Um, yeah, blocks needs to be high. But the scoring and the efficiency is really where it's at for Maga Porter Jr. Guys, rockauto.com. There's so many parts and makes and models for cars these days. It's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why would you endure often pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer. You can just do the same thing. You have computers. You have access to rockauto.com. It's on your home computer, and it's right in your pocket on your phone. So save time and money when using Rock Auto. Don't spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership. rockauto.com is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you can eat, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore the easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in there. How did you hear about us, box? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. We're in the conference finals in the NBA, in the NHL. The Major League Baseball season is cracking on, and you can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs across all sports at Bet Online. Before the next tip, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their run to the title. Head to that website or the mobile device and sign up today using the promo code LOCKEDON and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online are your online sportsbook experts. Okay, time for me to talk about your mate, Farton Will Barton. A disappointing season for Barton. Again, injuries really hurt him. Just 59 games this year. We know that he missed the bubble with that knee injury last year. It's just consistent things flaring up for Barton. It was a hamstring this year. It was a knee last year. He missed that big chunk of time um, uh, through April and May and then the beginning of the the playoffs. But uh, for most of the season, he was relatively healthy. And that's what makes, I think, his numbers somewhat disappointing. He was 70th last year on a per-game basis. And his rankings are all over the place. These are his last six years' rankings, starting in 15-16. 87th, 110th, 52nd, 195th, 70th, and then 143rd. How we can go and look at that and go, well, I know what Will Barton's going to do moving forward. I have no idea. Barton has now turned 30. He played 31 minutes a night. But again, I think there's a real opportunity for improvement next season. He averaged 12 points with four rebounds, three assists, 0.9 steals, 43 and 78, or 79. Now, you know I've been a critic of Will Barton in the past for his incredibly streaky shooting and his incredibly dumb decision-making offensively. 
But then he has stretches where he's literally almost unstoppable. The 12 points is really disappointing, and the usage was well down this season from Barton. Um, 146th in category leagues just doesn't cut it, and you're not good enough in points leagues. But without Jamal Murray, he's going to have to be relied on quite a bit. He's going to have to be, you would think, a starter on this team with Porter, Gordon, um, Jokic, and then whatever they do at point guard. And he's going to have to have a lot more of that usage and creation. Now, Porter will hopefully get a boost too, but Barton's going to have to take a lot of Jamal Murray's numbers up. Now, the efficiency is a concern, quite obviously, because he shot 43% overall. But his uh, his true shooting at 54 is is bad too. Like It's not like he was making up for it by you know, hitting threes or getting to the line and hitting those at a high rate. He just struggled in a, in a lot of areas. Um, his impact metric EPM was way well down, negative 2.1. He didn't finish at the rim well at all. 51% is a horrendous number. His assist rate dropped to basically a career low this year with Jokic and, and Murray handling the ball right now. I expect somewhat that's going to improve a little bit this year, but um, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a particularly great season for for Barton. But yeah, you know, his ability to hit corner threes is, is important. But he's got to do more than that. Uh, he, he's, he, I think he's got to work more uh, defensively in terms of generating stats. Now, he's been a, a, a below-average steals guy most of his career. We hope we can get something more out of that, but we probably don't. He's not the greatest free-throw shooter. He's not the greatest free th- field goal percentage guy. He's up and down in his shot selection. He's just not a player that I particularly like. But again, the Nuggets, I think, really need him. And I think they're going to have to be... Um, you're willing to you know, give him something in terms of the contract to, to get him back. So I think they do really need him. I think defensively, he is pretty good, even though I think he's a little bit overrated there. The advanced metrics did not like him. LeBron, he was below average in the league, negative 0.7. Uh, Raptor had him at negative two, which is a horrible effort, 40, 40th percentile. They don't like him there at all. Box score plus minus in a similar vein. Um, luck adjusted RAPM likes him a little bit better. Uh, as does uh, Real Plus Minus. But the two that I look at the most are probably LeBron and Raptor, and they both did not like the season. And even on his per-possession basis up here, his steals and blocks are pretty low. His assists aren't great. His scoring's pretty low. It's just an underwhelming year, I think, from Will Barton. And while I do expect improvements coming up, um, I'm not you know, I'm not 100% confident in Barton as, a, as an option as we move forward. Um. All right, let's talk Aaron Gordon, who came across in the trade at the trade deadline, was having some okay moments in Orlando, but again, a guy that is just significantly overrated in the fantasy community consistently. He ended up playing just 28 minutes a night because in Denver, they didn't want to use him very much because again, he's overrated. 165th in category. Now, I was absolutely killed by people at the trade deadline when I said, I reckon this move makes him a droppable player. And people thought that that was insane. Uh, and he was clearly a droppable player. I don't think there's any... any. Uh, you, you cannot come back to me and argue and say, well, actually, I was right, Josh, by saying that, yeah, you should have held on to him because he, he was poor during that time. Usage was weight. Now, you, you got to always look at context. And we look at the number. He was in the situation with Orlando where he was like the number one or number two guy. Obviously, Vooch was number one, but like number two guy. Um, and has never been a good fantasy player. Had one top 80 finish in his career. Uh, and is a, is a poor shooter from the field, from the line. He's a low steals and blocks guy. He did work to get some decent assists this season, but you know, when you're traveling to Denver to play alongside Jokic and Murray, you're not going to have the ball in your hands to do that. And we saw the usage just fall completely off a cliff. Now, again, there's no Murray next season, but they they just did not rely upon him very much at all. They just kept playing him low minutes. 
They would not give him much more, and they don't give him much in the terms of the offensive responsibility. And I think that's going to be an issue for him. He averaged 12, 6, and 3, but those numbers in Denver were, were much smaller because, again, he just didn't have the ball in his hands as much. And that's an obvious thing to look at. In, in Denver, and he, he, half the season in Orlando, half in Denver, he averaged 10 points in Denver, five boards and two assists, and still low steals and low blocks. His field goal percentage went up because he hit 61% from two, up from 48%. But his free throws were still relatively poor, and he only hit 27% of his threes. He just has so many struggles. To me, he is not going to be worth drafting in 12-team leagues next year. I know he's Aaron Gordon. He's got insane athleticism. Uh, he's, a, he's a name that's important. He's still not even 26 years of age, but he's just not good from a fantasy perspective. And, and I don't really see what's going to change. Will he all of a sudden become a great three-point shooter? Will they say, oh, we were wrong to have the ball in Jokic and Porter's hands, so we'll give it to you now? There is no way. He'll go out there, play good defense. It won't result in good generated uh, fantasy defensive stats, and he will uh, he will be a disappointment. And, and I don't really see uh, any other way around that. can be a good defender. He can play make pretty well, but it's just not going to be used in that well. But I, I do think he can be a valuable player, um, and even looking at his advanced metrics, that they liked him quite a bit. Like LeBron has him way up there, 80th percentile, big positive. Raptors got him 72nd, big positive. Luck adjusted, got him really high. Box score, well, not really high, but in a pretty solid spot. But if we go to his fantasy numbers, per position, they just don't, or per possession, they just don't stand out. And his offensive stuff, like there's a few things that are okay there. Like his handoff game is all right, but you know, transition, he should be way better. Transition at 0.99 points per possession is horrendous. Not a good isolation guy. You're not the greatest pick and roll role man when you think you should be better given the way that he plays the game and his athleticism. Just a guy that continually underwhelms, I think, offensively. Let's talk about Paulie Millsap now, who, again, we have just seen a huge drop off. And this is what happens when blokes get to be this age. He's, what, 35 now? We are seeing drop-offs in uh, in his play, and that's to be expected. 21 minutes a game, 21 fantasy points, 179th in category leagues. Uh, occasionally, he'd come out and have these really strong performances, and he shot the ball well at times, but overall, just 34% from three. He averaged nine and five with 0.6 blocks and 0.9 steals, 48 and 72. Like Those numbers are okay. And you do not, we can't rely upon him to be your starting power forward, and they won't because that'll be Aaron Gordon. He finished at the rim at a high rate, you know, 67%, pretty good. True shooting, 57. Uh, advanced numbers were okay for Millsap, but again, he's, he's in a situation where um, he has to be used as this backup type player, backup post guy, a nice perimeter type defender. And then that's all really, really useful, obviously. Uh, and ability to shoot threes, not necessarily a guy that's going to hit them at the highest rate, but he will shoot them and will provide some floor spacing. And we saw that from him this year. Yeah, the advanced stuff still liked him in his minimal role. LeBron, he was really high up there. RPM, similarly. Raptor, similarly. Like, he still has an impact in those minutes. So he's good for 20 minutes, but you cannot extend him and push him out further than that. He just won't be able to do it at the rate that he's needed. And his time as even that 179th in category leagues for this year for Millsap, I don't think that's got really any chance of being repeated uh, as we move forward. Let's talk about Faku, who I thought was all right for big chunks of this season, looked just all right, and then was forced into a larger role when Will Barton was out, Jamal Murray was out, Monty Morris was out. 
But I think at, towards the end of the playoffs, we realized that probably Morris is going to be the guy who's in you know, prime position to be the starter next season. Kampato averaged 22 minutes, 17 points, 195th in category leagues. Now, he does have an okay fantasy profile because he gets assists and he gets steals. The problem is he hit 38% of his shots. Like That's a pretty poor number including 35% from three. He averages six points on low, low usage, but 3.6 assists and 1.2 steals. So if he is forced into a large role, he can have fantasy value because of the steals, because of the assists, but the low usage, the fact that he is he can be a good defender, but at other times he can just get cooked because of his size and your steals don't equal defense. We we know that. He can be a pretty good defender, but there are, there are times when that does become a problem. And look, he's a relatively reliable three-point shooter. Good steals guy, gets good three-point shots, gets his teammates involved, has, has some really nice passes. But overall, I just don't think that he's going to be the guy that they rely upon to be their starting point guard next year. The free agency they might explore, but otherwise, I reckon they'll be pretty happy to have Monty Morris doing that. Now, Faku's uh, metrics, advanced metrics are sort of all over the board. Raptor really liked him. Like really, 85th percentile plus 2.3 because of how good he was defensively. LeBron did not like him as much. Um, box score plus minus really liked his defense. Um, uh, real plus minus didn't like he's all over the place with how impactful he can be. And that's sort of the way I feel about his season is sometimes you watch him and go, shit, that's really good from Faku. And then other times you go, well, what's get him off the court. Like he can't be out there. And it's really highlighted where his value is, is look at how look the, the steals per 75 positions and the assists per 75, really high numbers. Everything else outside of three is pretty low. And, that, and that's really where he sits. As a, uh, as a fantasy producer. Let's talk about the guy who I think is going to be in a situation to be the starting point guard next year and, and possibly, and well, not possibly, at this early stage would say he's going to be a draftable fantasy player and that is Monty Morris. Morris played 26 minutes a night. He averaged 20 fantasy points. That was good for 214th and he ranked 222nd in category leagues. Two for two, two, two. He shot 48 from the field and he averaged two rebounds. But the problem we have with Morris is that that 26 minutes is fine. Like he might get to 30, 31, but he is just not on a per minute basis, a great fantasy producer. 10 points in 26 minutes, two rebounds, piss poor. One, three needs to be way more for a guy. That's a pretty good shooter. He needs to hit more, attempt more threes, three assists, 0.7 steals, 80% from the line, but just 1.6 attempts. So it doesn't get to the line. Very low usage. Very low steals, very low rebounds, very low threes, low scoring. Now, the minutes can ramp up, but I don't really think alongside Jokic, Porter, Barton, Gordon, plus whatever they do in free agency or, or the draft, draft probably won't be an impact, that Morris's usage is going to skyrocket from 16 up. Jokic is still going to run things. Porter will handle the ball. Barton will handle it. Gordon will handle it. So Morris will be the point guard, but he's not going to be out there dropping seven assists per game. We really need to see more from him in terms of what he can bring defensively. I think he's a good player. I think he's going to be fine to have as a back-end draftable guy, but I'm not convinced the upside is particularly high. Great rim finisher, solid mid-range shooter, good three-point shooter. has been at 41%, 38 and 38 in his three years, but an anemic rebounder. Assist rate needs to be higher. For point guards, he's in the 75th percentile for assists. Like, you need to be a bit better there. And the steal rate, pretty low. Like, we need we need more from Monty Morris to be a guy. I don't think he cracks the top 100. We need more from him to be that guy who can crack the top 100 for fantasy. I, I just don't think that that's a really a distinct possibility. A legendary 
assist to turnover guy. Like he's really good in that regard. He can be a good passer, but the volume just isn't there. He gets to the rim pretty well also, which I think is important, but just not a guy that's that's going to carry an offense. He doesn't need to on this team. Um, and he, he can be solid, but yeah, ideally, if they want to push to a championship, Murray needs to be back or they need an upgrade at point guard from Morris. I think that, to me, that's pretty clear. The advanced metrics were very lukewarm on him. Like he was all right, sort of in the middle of the pack on most of those. Offensively, again, he's just sort of lukewarm. And even look, his per possession fantasy stats, they're not great. Like there's only one that stands out as being solid and that's assists. And it's only 4.7 per 75 possessions. Yes, he did play a lot of time with Jokic and played alongside Murray at times, but that's still not a very good number at all. Let's talk about JaVale McGee now, who came over in a trade from the Cavs to be the backup center, but there were times where he didn't play. Millsap and Jermichael Green, they'd get a lot of that role as the backup center. Um, McGee is a guy that, you know, when he gets minutes, he can put up good fantasy stats, but he's 33. He 15 minutes a game. He averaged seven and five with 1.2 blocks. We know he's an elite blocks guy. Interestingly, just 51 from the field. You would hope that McGee, who does nothing but dunk, should be getting 60 plus, but that's a pretty poor number and he doesn't hit his free throws very well. I don't know whether he'll be back. It's comical that he was drafted at 130 in, in leagues. Why? I have no idea. Um, but he's a block specialist who probably fits in as a third string center as we move forward. I don't think there's much to really you know, talk about or, or love with JaVale McGee uh, as a uh, future fantasy option. I think that that little, little time might be done for him, but a pretty strong rim protector, good roller, good finisher, but yeah, what else is he doing? I think that's a, a pretty strong question or a decent question to ask, especially you know, given he's a free agent. And I don't really see him coming on to a team and having a huge uh, impact. Um, yeah, the advanced metrics, they always tended to like him a little bit, especially defensively, where you see that big LeBron number for him. But the others, the other numbers don't love him as much. And offensively, he's a real uh, he's a real issue on that end. Let's look at Jermichael Green now, another guy who I said has that player option. Um Solid enough. I don't think he's good enough to be your starting power forward, and he won't have to be with Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter there. Is he good enough to be your backup? Yeah, sure. 19 minutes, 17 points, fantasy points. Yeah, 271st for there, 254th for categories. Hit his free throw as well. He's always been a very overrated player for me for fantasy. He's also 31. Um, he averaged eight points, five rebounds, half a steal, half a block, or under half a steal, under half a block. 40% of his threes, that's what he can do, and he hits them at a decent enough volume. 3.4 in 19 minutes is a decent enough volume for Jermichael Green. Um, but he's never going to be a guy that takes you know, huge steps forward from um, from an advan- or from a, a fantasy perspective. He is you know, a, a really solid shooting big man who is an ideal backup type player, stretch big, a good guy that can defend bigs, but is never going to be uh, an excellent uh, fantasy option at all. The advanced metrics were pretty down on him this year, to be honest. Nothing really loved him. Uh, Raptor liked him offensively, as did RPM, but everything else was pretty lukewarm on him. But the three-pointers made is a strong number, not a bad shot blocker, but again, I, I think we get an idea of who Jermichael Green is at, at this point in his career. Let's look at Austin Rivers now, who only played 36 games, was signed by the New York Knicks, um, and then barely played. That was a weird signing. At the Was it a sign, or did they, they trade from it? I think it was a signing. Um, and then he was released and signed with the Nuggets, and they needed him. But 36 games, 24 minutes, 15 points, 278th in category leagues. He's just never going to be a good fantasy player. He needs so much of the ball and so many minutes to even sniff being a top 100 guy. And you're just never going to get that. 
He averaged eight points with two assists and two rebounds and 0.8 steals. Again, horrible shooting, 42 and 71, which is a true shooting of 55%. It's just not particularly good. I think they might like him back. He is only 29, which I thought he was older. He's only 29. They, he just provides nice bench depth, especially if we're going to be starting Monty and Will Barton. That gives Faku and Rivers to have the bench role along with Dozier. They don't have any other real young guards coming through. Uh, so I do think he'll be back, but yeah, fantasy-wise, there's there's no massive upside for Austin Rivers. And he somehow was drafted at 142. I cannot explain that for the life of me. I don't know who the hell was deciding Austin Rivers was a draftable player. Good finisher, can get shots up, can get hot but can also be remarkably cold at times. And we saw that in the playoffs, that he had those that game against Portland where he basically won on the game, and then he just doesn't do anything for the next couple. The advanced stuff doesn't, didn't particularly like him. I still think he's a valuable rotation player, but you know, upside for him is, uh, is pretty low, I would say. Let's talk PJ Dozier, a Michael Malone favorite, a guy that can put up some really, really good on-court defense. But for fantasy, he, he just is never going to be an option because he's just a guy that struggles in so many areas. He averaged 17 fantasy points per game. Doja averaged eight points, three boards, 0.93s with 0.6 steals and 0.4 blocks. But that true shooting of 50% is a horrendous number. He can be an interesting shot blocker as a guard. He is 24, going to turn 25 in about three or four months. He actually plays more like a power forward than a point guard. When he's listed point guard eligible on some sites, he's not a point guard, really. He's got some passing ability, but he's not really a point guard at all. He's not a good shooter. He's just a guy that I think at sometimes inexplicably, Michael Malone puts him out there for times when he really shouldn't be playing as much as he is. And uh, that's something that Malone does. Um, again, with a healthy Barton, I don't know how much more we see of Doja. We didn't really we didn't see him in the playoffs either with his own injury. But he can be a good defender. He can be a solid rebounder. Um, he occasionally has these big moments of offensive uh, pop-off ability, but it's not something that we really uh, want to rely upon from PJ Dozier at all. Interestingly, LeBron loved his defense, as does Raptor. Really high marks there, and he is a very good defender. And the thing is, though, you look at his steals and block rate for our p- perspective for fantasy, they're not high. Like he's not a guy that's a very good defender. He's not a very good steals and blocks type player. Offensively, he has so many struggles. Like transition, he's terrible. Dump-offs, handoffs, terrible. Isolation, he's a good scorer there somehow. But everything else, he just has so much to work on offensively. Now, I'll tell you a couple of guys I'm not going to really talk about here, and that is Vlako Chancha or Big Shaq Harrison. But I have to mention him just so I can do this. Big Shaq. Um, But let's talk about uh, the Nuggets' first-round draft pick, or one of their first-round draft picks. They traded the other one in RJ Hampton, and that is Zeke Naji. Big man out of Arizona. Played more as a four this year than as a five. I think ideally his position is you you want him to be a five given his height. But to me, he impressed more than I expected him to. He played just nine minutes a game, three points. He shot 48 from the field and 41 from three, 80% from the line. Now, for a guy that blocked some shots in Arizona, he blocked nothing here. But what he came, he's more of an offensive big than a defensive big. I think we'll get that through our head. Elite efficiency, 62% uh, true shooting is a great number. It hasn't translated to fantasy at all at this point, not to not to be surprised when Millsap, Gordon, Porter, Jokic, McGee, all those guys are in front of him. But he's very young. He's 20 years of age, good pick and roll stuff, moved well. I thought his passing was important. I thought his shooting was impressive this year. I think they can get away with him playing some power forward as well. Ideally, they'd like to move him to be a center, I would think. But I think he can survive as a uh, 
as a power forward because of his ability to shoot, which was on full display. And I think that can get better. I think he can develop into a low-level starter in the future. And I wasn't sure about that heading into the draft. The advanced metrics, absolutely shit on him. Like, they hate him. Look at all those F grades. Terrible LeBron, terrible Raptor, terrible luck adjusted. Box score plus minus, pretty bad. But I don't think he was that bad. The shooting and offensive stuff I thought was impressive. Defensively, yeah, he does have a pretty long way to go. And his block rate for a big man was just abysmal, like absolutely abysmal. And for a guy that's as tall as he is with as much athleticism as he has, yeah, he needs to be better. Uh, on that end. But I, I think we saw some positive signs from Zeke Naji this season. And yeah, that's you know, really what you can ask for. Bol Bol. Now, I don't know if the hype for Bol Bol is because he's a meme, because his dad played in the NBA, because his name's Bol Bol, because because I, I, look, oh, look at him. He's playing as a point guard and he's seven foot two, whatever he is. He is so far away from being an NBA ready contributor. He played 32 games, five minutes a night. He was outside the top 500 for points leagues and top 490 for category leagues. He shot 43% from the field. He just didn't play. Two points under a rebound, 0.3 blocks, 40, uh, 53 true shooting. Like They are all really poor numbers from Bold Bowl. But he had an ADP of 126. You guys are high. I, I don't know. who. I, maybe two people drafted him at 126. I don't know. But that is an insane, an insane number to draft Bold Bowl there. I don't ever see Bowl developing into a starting NBA player, a rotation player, perhaps. He's not old, 21, but you know, with so many concerns about his off-court stuff, so many concerns about his on-court defense, um, I'm just not sure. Def- he can block shots. He can block shots for sure. He can score on uh, on um, uh, yeah, pop-outs and, and pick-and-rolls and pick-and-pops, or pick-and-pops mainly. Uh, he can do that, absolutely. But... Yeah, I, I just, there's not enough strength there for me. Now, he can pass. He can dribble. They're all positives for him as well. But that hasn't really translated across. The advanced stuff like, despised him. They didn't think he was very good at all. And that's not a surprise. But I, I really, I think Najee's got a much brighter future than what um, than what Bol Bol does at this point, unfortunately. All right, guys. That will uh, that'll do it for talking about the Denver Nuggets. We've got Marcus Howard there as well, I could have talked about, but I don't I don't really think that he is an NBA caliber player. He averaged, you know, he had some moments for sure of some decent scoring, Marcus Howard, but not a guy that I look at to step into a big rotation role. He is 22. Maybe he proves me wrong. Uh I just I'm I'm just not I'm not sold on Marcus Howard being that guy. Uh that can really step forward. Advanced stuff really hated him this year. He did have again some some moments, a couple of 20-point games at the end of the regular season, which when the Nuggets were were sitting everyone basically. Um, but yeah, nothing for me to get too excited about. Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. Go check out yesterday's show where I did a lottery mock draft. Some people were having some issues with a couple of my omissions from that list, Davion Mitchell and Scotty Barnes in particular. I will have, I think I'll have Scotty Barnes in my next one. Mitchell, I'm not as sold on. Um, and remember, we can have consensus top fives and top tens and top 14s, and then look back at every draft and look how many of the top 10 and top 14 turn out to be shit picks. So while you can say that I'm crazy for not having guys there, it doesn't mean that those guys who are in the consensus area are not going to work out. There's going to be 30% of them that do not work out. And trying to uh, work out who those guys are is tough. If you did a, a look back in James Wiseman, who is the consensus top two, top three pick, would he be even picked in the top seven, top 10, if we drafted that again? 
Probably not. Anyway, guys, YouTube, drop a comment down below. Subscribe down on over here. There it is. Give it a thumbs up. Ring my bell. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.